Michigan's Children proudly presents Speaking for Kids, the podcast where we explore crucial conversations impacting the lives of all Michigan children, youth, and families, especially the most vulnerable. Join us each month as we explore public policies and issues in the best interest of our kids and families. We'll bring you lawmakers and policymakers, advocates fighting for change, and the people most affected by those decisions. With our host, Matt Gillard, president and CEO of Michigan's Children, we'll invite you to become engaged, too, and show you how to take action on what matters most to you. Episodes are recorded live and shared virtually on YouTube and the audio hosting sites Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Hello, and welcome back to Speaking for Kids, the podcast for Michigan's Children. As we launch a new year and new conversations about public policy, advocacy, and issues impacting children, youth, and families in Michigan, we're recording this issue, this episode on January 30th of 2023. I'm Matt Gillard, your host and the president and CEO of Michigan's Children. Just last week, Governor Whitmer delivered her State of the State address and outlined a number of important issues to improve the lives of children and families in our state. Among those, she prioritized enacting stricter gun laws, gun control legislation that includes universal background checks, safe storage laws, and red flag laws. Evoking the 2021 school shooting at Oxford High School, she called on the state legislature to have an open hearing on these reforms. This is what we want to talk about today and why we have invited two special guests to discuss gun violence, the impact on children and youth, and why gun reform is and should be a children's issue. With me today is Imani McKissick, a 19-year-old college student from Lansing. Imani was 12 when her older brother, Michael McKissick II, was killed in a drive-by shooting that's never been solved. Imani and her siblings have become activists in the movement to reform gun laws and have worked with other victims of gun violence. Those of you listening from mid-Michigan may be familiar with her family's foundation, Mickey 23, which her father launched in Mickey's memory to help youth move into good jobs in the skilled trades. Amani, first, our sincere condolences for your loss, and thank you for agreeing to come on the podcast today. Also here today to discuss the issue, including from a policy perspective and a political one, is Christopher Smith from the Michigan Coalition to Prevent Gun Violence. The coalition is tied to the national nonprofit States United to Prevent Gun, gun Violence and works collaboratively to prevent gun violence through community education, and beneficial gun policies. Chris, thank you as well so much for joining us today to lend your expertise. Let's begin by asking each one of you to say kind of a few words about how you connected with this issue in the first place and uh, and more on a personal level. Amani, tell us about your brother and how his death has impacted your childhood and now your adult life. My brother, Mikey, he was 23 when he was killed. I was 12 years old. Um, we were so close, so it was... It was a troubling time having to not see my, go from seeing my brother every day to not seeing him at all. Me and my siblings are very family oriented. So it impacted me a lot from depression to mental health issues. Well, like I said, thank you for being here and uh, thank you for your activism on this important issue. Chris, you're a a Michigan State University professor who's run for higher office and been a community activist and leader for some time. Tell us why and how you took on this work with the coalition. Well, I've been teaching uh, college courses. I've been at MSU 29 years, a professor of criminal justice, taught seven years before that at the University of Akron and two years before that at the University of Connecticut. And I teach about 
law and policy. So I've, you know, three decades talking about the Second Amendment and about policy implications of the Second Amendment. Uh, so I've had interest in this issue that was uh, academic, but of course, over the years, um, other things happened to personalize it. As I learned about, for example, gun suicides by high school classmates of mine when I, I had not known how they passed away. Uh, and even a couple of years ago, I had a cousin who was a homicide victim in South Carolina. I mean, this is the kind of issue that reaches broadly, and especially when you consider two thirds of gun deaths or suicides, many, many people are not more than two degrees of separation from some personal contact with the issue. But I went into it, you know, academically from a policy perspective. Um, and after I ran for office, I was invited to join the board of the Michigan Coalition to Prevent Gun Violence. And then when COVID came and various people felt they needed to step out for public activity, I also became the acting executive uh, director. And certainly when I ran for office, gun safety, gun violence was one of my primary uh, issues. Great, thank you. So, um, you know, unfortunately, firearm injuries and deaths in the United States have been increasing in recent years. Uh, and really, the adverse impacts of this on children and adolescents is, is one issue in particular that's, you know, of importance, obviously, to us at Michigan's children. In fact, uh, among children, I think just two years ago, gun-related violence now has become the leading cause of child mortality and replacing car accidents. Um, and that, I think, happened in 2019 or 2020, and we've seen it continue now and, and unfortunately continue to increase. Uh, and we've certainly seen a, a, a far too familiar round of tragedies here in Michigan. I referenced the Oxford uh, school shooting from, from last school year, uh, as well as it seems like a constant barrage of, of gun-related violence um, in our communities and throughout our state. Was, so so what, what we're talking about today, or what, maybe why this issue is more, more top of mind here in Michigan right now, is because Governor Whitmer, uh, in her State of the State speech last week, did call on the Democratic-led majority now, or legislature in Michigan, to enact some gun reform laws. Uh, Chris, from your opinion, did the governor uh, sound the right tone and, and on the right track with what she seems to be pushing for the legislature to do? Well, I think uh, in Michigan, people who want to see legislative action related to gun safety have been waiting a long time. Because when the legislature was divided, you couldn't even get a hearing on a gun safety issue. And when you think about now being in the position of actually having hearings and having votes, um, I don't think it's surprising that the initial proposals are fairly modest and go to issues that have broad, broad public support uh, among gun owners and non gun owners, and also things that have already been done in other states. Um, certainly the three issues that she mentioned about background checks, safe storage, and extreme risk protection orders are things that have already been done in other states. Um, but it is certainly possible that if they get 
those things done, then they may go on to some other kinds of issues as well. So it's a little bit wait and see, but I think it is appropriate since it's new and different. I mean, if you want to look for an example, when uh, the 2019 election, because they do their elections a little differently, in Virginia led to a similar alignment between both houses of the legislature and the governor, uh, they very quickly passed 10 different gun safety laws that go beyond even what Governor Whitmer uh, had suggested. So it certainly shows that to get legislative action in our polarized politics today, you really do seem to need alignment between the governor and the two houses of the legislature because this has become such a cultural polarizing issue that rests on people's strongly held beliefs and not really on policy analysis. Thank you. That that Virginia experience is interesting to me. I I had I remember that election when the Democrats took control of the the state government in Virginia, but I I guess I had forgotten that they had moved that quickly and on on a series of uh, gun reform measures. That's interesting and something we'll have to look at. So uh, Amani, from uh, from your perspective as an activist uh, on gun reform issues, um, what do you think about this? Where do you, I I mean I can imagine having uh, you know been in and around the Lansing area for the last um, several years, there has not been any activity, meaningful activity on gun control or gun reform legislation from the state government. What do you think uh, about this newfound optimism amongst folks that we may have an opportunity now to, to see some things happen? It gives me hope. Um, my, I can I can't count on both hands how many friends and family members I have lost to gun violence so it, it gives me hope that it will get better. And do you think, you know, I mean, this might not be a fair question, but but do you think your peers and, and young people, you know, who have grown up in this and, and experienced this, uh, maybe not as, as closely as you have, but in different ways in the communities, do you think young people by and large feel the same way and, and do they expect um, are governments to be doing better either at the state or federal level in controlling some of this? In all honesty, a lot of my peers, well, amongst my age group, they're not looking, you know, into that. They're living their lives and trying to figure how to try to figure out how to keep up with the hype. Everybody is trying to be cool. Nobody's actually trying to make a change unless it happens to them. Yeah, I think you're 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 probably right there, and and obviously we need more people like you, uh, you know, working on on getting people engaged and and getting people aware and bringing this message out to the people, regardless of age, that are members of our society that want to see this changed and want to see us move away from these levels of uh, of of gun violence um, that we have. So Chris, tell me a little bit more about the coalition and, and some of the work that you do specifically around, uh, organizing and helping people around these issues. Well, we have, um, three dozen affiliated organizations around the state, parents, groups, teachers, groups, faith-based groups, uh, and community action groups. Um, we are primarily, uh, uh, a public education organization. 
um, so that we try to be a resource for people with information. Um, we regularly issue um, brief essays about what's been happening in the world related to gun violence. And because when people Google gun violence, our group often pops up first, we're also a connection point between people and grassroots organizations or other kinds of organizations uh, which can lobby more directly than we can as a public organization, a public education uh, organization. But, you know, we try to pay attention to the legislature and we have contacts with legislators who reach out to us and have spoken to some of our events. Uh, and so I'm hoping to have the opportunity when they have hearings to maybe participate in some way uh, to provide useful information to the decision makers. Great. And how would you say you've seen, is this issue, are your numbers growing as far as the terms of numbers of people who are engaged on this issue uh, and, you know, supportive of the issue of gun reform and, and supportive of the cause of the coalition? Do you feel like the, the, the issue is growing or are we kind of at a, uh, maybe a, a ballast point or stable point here as far as people concerned and, and motivated on this issue? Well, I think that um, a lot of people are very disheartened and pessimistic because of the regularity with which highly publicized mass shootings occur and reading statistics on things. We are not an individual membership organization, so we can't really monitor that way. We do have an increase in people subscribing to our um, email uh, blasts. But I think one can note that, you know, there are certain events that clearly catch the public's attention and increase um, activity in Michigan. The Oxford High School shooting certainly had that uh, uh, effect. Um, uh, and also uh, the Uvalde school shooting, which pushed Congress to take some action when it hadn't taken action in many years. Um, so it's, it's a little hard to measure. You have four, 400 million guns on the loose. Uh, there's no magic wand to change that. Um, but I do think that some of these specific incidents do catch the attention of some individuals who may normally think, well, this is a problem that affects somebody else. But when it comes to a suburban area, especially a suburban school, then it becomes much more real, I think, to people who perhaps thought they were somehow insulated from it personally. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, in the public opinion polling on these issues, like like the ones, the, the modest, relatively modest issues, like as, as you stated that, that Governor Whitmer has, uh, has called for, I mean, the public opinion polling has consistently been very strong. On, on these measures, and I think has even been increasing, but it's up in the high 70s or 80% really across the board when you talk about things like background checks and, and red flag laws and safe storage laws and other things. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, this should not be, I think that's where part of the frustration comes from, right, is that this seems like a no-brainer and it seems like something that should be easy for the legislature or governing body to accomplish, 
Um, yet, you know, the politics as they are, we've struggled to see any real progress uh, until recently, really, on some of these issues. And so that's why I think there's a lot of optimism here. Well, let, let me just add that, you know, if you think about practical impediments, um, gerrymandering has long been the main impediment in Michigan and probably elsewhere for this. And the fact that we had a bipartisan redistricting commission to try to draw fair districts made a huge difference in creating this opportunity. And that wasn't about gun safety laws per se, but it had a huge impact on gun safety laws. And the other issue is for most people when they go to vote, gun safety issues are not their number one issue when they evaluate candidates. Um, and that has an impact, you know, they vote on some other kind of issue and then they feel disheartened and frustrated that nothing happens with gun issues or it doesn't match public policy. But that's part of sort of the complexity of how this mixes in with practical politics. No, you're absolutely right. No, and the, and the redistricting effort that, uh, the Citizens Redistricting Commission effort has been instrumental in, in putting us where we are right now, and I think can be a model for other states to follow as well. And, and hopefully, I mean, yeah, the idea is that all of this will, will ultimately lead to better government and lead to government that reflects the will of the people, which is what we're trying to do. And I think we're making strides towards that here in Michigan, um, but obviously still have a ways to go. Um, Amani, talk a little bit more from your perspective, you know, as an activist and and as a, a younger person who is engaged on this issue, um, what kind of things uh, can you do or, or folks like you do uh, to stay engaged and to try to get more people um, to understand kind of the the landscape here and, and how we can get some make some progress so that so that, uh, you know, more children don't have to live through uh, what you had to live through as a child. And I mean, that's ultimately what we want here. So. So what can we do together to make sure that, that we're making this world a better place for, for the kids and families that are coming behind us? What my family and I do personally, we started our foundation called Mikey 23 Foundation, named after my brother, Michael. He was named after my brother. My dad teaches kids a building trade. So he goes out in our community. He, he has, So far, he has reached 78 children and 19 adults. He teaches them a building trade. He fixes burnt down houses or houses that has been vacant that's donated to our foundation. Um, he gets youth out of the streets to learn something better. So I believe we need more activities for our youth. There's not really much to do in the mid-Michigan area but to get in trouble. So I believe if as adults, we go back into our communities and help children do stuff and show them that there's more to life. I believe that will stop. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, there, young people don't choose gun violence because they want to choose gun violence. They choose gun violence because there aren't other opportunities or options out there available for them. Can, you know, can I, I just I, add up? I mean, I think Amani makes it calls our attention to really an, an excellent point that if we talk about the limits of what law can do from a legislature, you know, we're really confining ourselves. But it's those the potential of community programs is really not fully tapped yet. It's not fully funded the way it could be by different government 
entities. And there's other kinds of community programs as well, interventions in neighborhood and violence and things. But I think she really makes a, an important point for people to realize when we look at the legislature and they pass some laws, they're going to have very limited effect. But if we could really have people engage in community programs, I think there's even more potential with respect to children and young people to have an impact the way her family is doing in Lansing. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's absolutely a both and solution needed here. Uh, the, the gun control, the gun reform measures are one aspect of this. But the community engagement and involvement is is even more critical. I agree. Well, I want to thank you both. Thank Amani and Chris for being here today uh, and for participating in this conversation. If you'd like to share a link to today's podcast, please look for one and other resources on our michiganschildren.org website under the resource and speaking for kids podcast link. We'll be back next month for another critical conversation about issues affecting children and families here in Michigan. Thanks again for listening. You've been listening to Speaking for Kids, the podcast for Michigan's children with host Matt Gillard. Thanks for joining us. To explore these and other issues relevant to our state's children, youth, and families, and to build your advocacy muscle, go to our website at www.michiganschildren.org. You'll find links and news about past and future podcast topics under our resource tab and action alerts under the Take Action tab. Find and like us on Facebook and Twitter. Terry Bannis and Stephen Wallace produced this podcast. Contact them with your questions and ideas for other topics. Michigan's Children is a nonprofit advocacy organization, an independent voice working to reduce disparities in child outcomes from cradle to career through policy change.